Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we watched Wes Craven's New Nightmare. A demonic force has chosen Freddy Krueger as its portal to the real world. Can Heather Langenkamp play the part of Nancy one last time and trap the evil trying to enter our world? Oh, this is this is fun. This is fun. I didn't realize he made Scream before he made Scream. Exactly. So I saw this movie when I was probably like nine or ten. I've talked a bit about my elementary friend who loved horror films. And so we were watching this and it was so confusing because I knew like Freddy Krueger's like a real character. And yet this movie has no (laughs) opening credits. And so it's presented as like almost a documentary, but it's also real. So I was so confused. And not having really paid attention to any of the previous films, I had no context for this. None. (laughs) None. Uh, So now watching it was way more fun. And y'all have heard me talk about Scream. I liked it so much. I made David watch it twice. Yeah, this is, oh, this was him getting out his Scream vibes before he knew that it was going to be Scream. I love it. It's him fucking around with a meta narrative of a story he's already done. It's it's that meta narrative. It's that commentary on horror films and the horror industry. It's all fantastic. It's not as pointed and good as Scream was. And that has a lot to do. This is not a shade on Wes, but I think Kevin Williamson had a better concept and through line when he when he came up with Scream than we did here. Because I think this movie's good, mm-hmm. but I also think it's it's not great mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's he's he's thrown a lot of ideas out and a lot of them work but some of them just kind of are fine nothing about this movie makes me go how amazing all of this movie made me go wow this is why scream was so good <laughs> well kevin williamson is an amazing writer yes and his dialogue is fantastic which is always what has been missing from the horror films particularly the freddy krueger ones. so like like the dialogue is very obnoxious wes is a he has got a fabulous vision he makes him a great director and yes. he approaches his horror films as though they were any other storytelling device well that's what he talks he has an extended monologue about it in this movie absolutely and that's why like the marriage between him and kevin williamson on scream f- could not be better yeah Ah, oh, this this film was fine. Is it perfect? No, but it was way fine. So budget it had eight million dollar budget, not a ton, not bad. It grossed eighteen million, and the working title was Nightmare on Elm Street Seven: The Ascension. But producer Robert Shea didn't want the audience to see this as another tired sequel to the series, and he wanted it to stand on its own. So none of the trailers show Freddy's face on screen until after its release. Yeah, so that's like smart. We've shat on Robert Shea a lot, but he has done a lot to make this franchise work. I over the course of the series, I think we have to realize that he made some piss poor decisions at points, but overall, he managed to hold this franchise together pretty well. He learned. He yeah. made he made New Line a fuck ton of money. He made New Line Cinema a viable studio. Yeah. So, I mean, we've already talked about him, but our both a writer and our director for this film are Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. According to his biography, he stated if he didn't do New Nightmare, 
New Line Cinema would have pushed for a Freddy Jason crossover instead. And he said, quote, I think that was a card they were going to play if they couldn't get me back for this one. I mean, we know the future from there, Mm -hmm. that they did wind up doing it anyway. Sure. I think the better way to look at it is that it was good to let Wes have his last say on Freddy. Yes. Before you shipped him off into the realm of wild franchise characters. And then later on, they've made some sequels, which by all accounts are not good. True. Actually, before making this, he watched all of the films. And by the time he was finished, he claimed he could not follow the story at all. And he regards the sequels weak compared to his original masterpiece. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. They are very weak. This film has a very similar premise to another film we have talked about and covered. Both films are about fictional movie characters who enter the real world. Do you know which film I'm talking about, David? No, I don't. It's Last Action Hero. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not really, though. It's, it, it, they come out around the same time. Both have that concept as a part of their plot. I guess, but Last Action Hero was more of like a cartoon image of movie world coming to real life. Mm-hmm. And this is all about the the storytelling aspect of it Mm -hmm. i think that may be where i have issues with the writing is that it can be so on the nose about it Mm -hmm. like that's the difference between this and scream where scream was yes there's exposition but it's wrapped up in such great dialogue that it's softened it's the right way well they did the thing they created the character whose job it was to provide exposition randy he's the film snob yes He's the one who's going to point out everything to you if you didn't already know, which as a person who came to Scream a couple years after it came out and who hadn't watched all these films, but had a little bit of knowledge about them. That was so helpful. But it has to be couched in a way where it's believable. Sure. If you want the thing to thrive, if you Mm -hmm. want it to keep working. And the problem with this movie is they didn't do that. He has to hammer it home really directly, Mm -hmm. which means the dialogue suffers. True. But I will also say that I feel like this type of film, this is the first one of the first of its kind. Uh, One of the first of its kind that was prominent. Prominent, but also for the horror genre. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) And I I don't have a a deep enough uh, knowledge of horror film prior to this, but it feels that way. This 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 was a new thing, this meta narrative, this like let's play fact for fiction and fiction for fact, all of that. Yes and no. I mean it also doesn't help that the budget makes this look like a lifetime movie. A little bit. That little like foggy lens, you know, <laughs> when people are outside, it's just like, oh yeah, this does feel like a nineties lifetime film. It's a very nineties movie. It's very made for TV feeling. The caveat that the story is excellent. I mean, uh, that that is the key. The story is the thing that works so well. The events in the film that revolve around Heather Lingenkamp having a stalker come from real life. Uh, Heather did have a stalker, and Wes Craven got her permission to weave that into the story. Good. Good. So, I mean, I guess we like the story. We don't love the writing. How do we feel about the directing? I mean, he's doing what he has with what he has the look of it feels eerily similar to the original which makes sense because you know he directed that one 
but it is kind of it's interesting how we went through a lot of different iterations and a lot of different visions and then this Mm -hmm. one it's like now it feels exactly like the story doesn't feel like it but the how it looks feels exactly like the original movie Mm -hmm. for better or for worse i think that's for better i think that helps play on the figure like the coming into the the real the real world piece I mean, yes and no, because we'd gotten into some really interesting territory with what you could actually do with Freddy. Sure, but we're trying to ground him within the real world. So yeah, having that already did that. I know, but having that visual similarity, which really this is this is a sequel, I believe, to the first one, not to the third film that she was in. Uh, so I can kind of ignore the rest. I don't know. I think he could have done better. Oh, sure. On most fronts. I, I don't know what the best way is to say it other than I think it's fine, but I I keep looking at it going, but you could have done this or this thing. Oh, this could have been cooler and go, I don't know that we put everything into this we could have. Again, I think they were trying something new that other people hadn't done before. And so they had they were kind of climbing an uphill battle. But it's hard not to look at the movie he made two years later and be like, this was a test run. <laughs> Sure. So let's start with our cast. It's it's Heather Langenkamp as herself and also Nancy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go through her credits, but after this one, she's made three appearances in the franchise. So she's done it more times than anyone else. However, none of hers have been consecutive. Yes. What do we think about Heather Langenkamp? She's better than she has been in any of the other ones. True. I think that's because she knows the character she's playing a lot better. Mm-hmm. I mean... This is what you're going to get from Heather Langenkamp. Yeah. It's not going to be awesome. It's not earth shattering. But it's going to be solid. But she does a good job. And especially this time around, there's a familiarity and a groundedness to it that you were going to be hard pressed to come by in either of the other two movies, especially in Dream Warriors. True. Although to be fair, we talked about Dream Warriors that also is like, I don't think she understood the the prompt on dream warriors at all nobody did on that one i think here they gave nancy stakes that were very understandable aside from life and death because that's just kind of a given in a horror film but her son it's her son Mm -hmm. so so that was good and i think she really like bought into that in real life her husband david Leroy anderson is an is a special effects man as he is in this film However, David did not want to play himself in the film, so he declined. Fine. Fair. Fine. Look, his job is to be behind the scenes, so he's, he's going to stick with that. I can still be annoyed at him about it. Sure, sure. Next, we have Robert England as himself and Freddy Krueger. And also some sort of weird demon, some yeah. storytelling demon. How do we feel about Robert England? Uh, it's interesting to, to dance around all the different stuff going on with him. On one hand, it feels a little bit stunt casty. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And, and that's not, it's weird to say that when it's totally a meta narrative, but I don't feel like they use Robert enough. I would agree with that. I would have liked to see more of just like Robert at home living his life. And I think it would have been fun to have a little bit more commentary from him about walking around his everyday life and people not necessarily knowing that he is freddy krueger because that is such an odd thing 
Yeah, and I kept waiting for them to possibly play with the Freddy's coming through him. That's mm-hmm. one way to do that sure. in the story, where that's who he's inhabiting to come into the real world. Sure. It would make complete sense. I also just like, they, they get to the point about two-thirds of the movie, and man, damned if they don't do this in a lot of these. It takes probably too long to get to the point yes. of what the hell is actually going on. Yes. And at a certain point, I, we should have seen more of Robert and Wes and other people struggling with things. Just mm-hmm. the little hints. Because we see it one time with Robert, and it's a dramatic reveal. And there should have been little ticks and things leading up to it in order for us to be really creeped out. Completely agree. And, and that would have been so easy to do. Like, I love the premise of the interview. So, like, of course, here's, here's a perfect real-life reason for two people to be in the... Who, who've worked together to be in the same room again and also an excuse for him to be in the makeup but not be freddy yep total and so they could have easily put something in there of like ooh, something's like it's getting harder for him to take the makeup off or something to that effect or he gets too close to her when he brings the knife hand up yeah or like he accidentally cuts or like one of the yeah. blades is actually sharper when it should be dull like supposed to be a prop but it's not really stuff like that um would have been really easy to include Missed opportunities. Missed opportunity. In Fangoria magazine, uh, Robert England pointed out that this new style forced him, as well as some of the other actors, to take a different approach. Quote, I was all set to play Freddy in a fairly predictable way, but Wes came to me early in the filming and reminded me that this is a different kind of Freddy and that I could grunt, growl, groan, scream, and talk if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. Which I do really like that it is a different Freddy in a way that makes sense. It is, and yet you didn't do any explanation of it. Sure, fair, but you know. Just do it in. You know, the film nerds like the present here uh, are going to look into it and and see some of that. Next, we have Wes Craven as himself. Uh, Acting-wise, before this, he was in Shocker. After this, as an actor, he is in The Fear, Scream, Scream 2, Welcome to Hollywood, Scream 3, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, Red Eye, Parish Attem, And Scream 4. What do we think about Wes Craven's acting? Well, (laughs) he's not. He's not acting. (laughs) No, I, I like, I think that was what sold me so much. I'm like, but this is a documentary. This isn't a film because that's the guy. Yeah. He's not. There should have been more. Mm -hmm. Like we, we see the sort of talks of production things and there could have been a little bit more of that but also there should have been more between not just heather and robert but heather and wes mm-hmm. so it's not one monologue yeah and i get the i get part of it being wes probably didn't want to do that much in the movie he's like mm-hmm. i got enough to deal with i don't want to act that much it doesn't need to be a lot but it needs to be consistent mm-hmm. instead of it being one big thing for each of these people mm-hmm. because Otherwise, it feels just like fan service as opposed to the the bigger meta narrative picture you want to tell. Well, I think if it had just been him, Robert and Heather, it would have felt like fan service. But as we go through some of the additional people in this cast, you will see it's not just fan service. He pulled everyone who actually does work on this film. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I agree with that. But my problem is even then. The presence of those people can't just be you're on for one moment and then you're gone from the movie. And there's too much of that. Eh, 
perhaps but also remember these people this that's not their job i just in two hours of movie to have maybe 15 minutes of it does not work for me i I don't disagree (laughs) that that's my problem is there's not enough of that part of the story next we have david newsom as chase porter heather's husband uh, before this, he did some TV, including uh, being on the series Homefront, which is one of my favorite television shows. After this, he did a ton of television, like a ton. Um, he was also in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Again, more television. And then most recently, he was in Coda. Oh, right. What do we think of David Newsom? He's there. He's fine. One really noticeable thing here, though, is that we have very competent actors. True. Nobody here is unable to act. Correct. Uh, he said he felt like a dork playing a special effects tech because he was so clean cut and nicely dressed when all the real special effect techs around him were in jeans, t-shirts, and had beards. Yeah. 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 Dirty him up a little. <laughs> yeah, they should have they should have scratched him up a little bit. Next we have Miko Hughes as Dylan. He is a that guy type of kid. He was in Pet Cemetery, Kindergarten Cop, and Apollo 13. Since these films, he's been doing a lot of shorts recently. So, you know child actor what do we think of miko hughes he's good i mean i do remember him from apollo 13 so i remember him from kindergarten cop he's the one who tells arnold schwarzenegger boys have a penis girls have a vagina thanks for Hmm. the tip (laughs) he's fine this comes back to another issue of the timing on all of this Mm -hmm. is that because you sacrifice so much of that other studio movie side of it, yeah, you spend so much time with this kid. You do, though. I will say this kid is really good at screaming and doing that wide-eye, fucked-up face. And I'm like, that kid's got it. He's got it. But like, there is probably 30 minutes of the stuff we do with him that it was like, we get it. Give us another part of this story. Because also, you're asking a kid to lift this movie when this movie is honestly not about him. He's just a conduit through which Freddy is coming. I would have liked if they used him in a way that he was really more in the background. So, like, we just happen, like, Heather really doesn't see necessarily see him watching Nightmare on Elm Street. We just, the audience sees it. And then we realize TV's not plugged in. Like, it's this thing that's happening that maybe she's not completely aware of. And then her husband dies. And then it's all about the grief of that. And she thinks she's going crazy. These things are actually happening. And they're happening because Freddie's contacting her son. Well, and at least through the first act. Yes. By the time, at some point, it does become about him and that he's totally. I totally get that. Totally. It's just that we spend this whole movie doing that when the more interesting thing is all of this is is coming together where she has to perform the role a final time. Mm -hmm. And there should be more of that part of it to balance everything out. And yeah, there's too much of, of Dylan's story that it's like, what, what are we doing? I've, I got the point in the first five minutes you showed me this kid. Well, in real life, Miko Hughes's father works in special effects in movies, much like his father does in this film. Nice. Um, he was a huge Freddy fan before filming. He would watch them put the makeup on Robert England every single day. Nice. I love that. That was That's always one of my favorite things when I see it pop up is like how someone's makeup gets put on or off. Yep. And he kept the sewn up Rex dinosaur since filming. Uh, Wes Craven had an original copy made without the scars. Oh. That's very sweet. Cute. 
Now we get to Arpons. Random people of note. All right. We have Marianne Madalena as herself. She is Wes's producing partner. Uh, we have Sarah Risher also as herself. Um, she was the producer on the original Nightmare and executive produced everything else. Um, she also produced a bunch of other things. But she was so nervous about filming that she bought herself a new suit specifically for her one scene. <laughs> uh, Robert Shea, who always shows up in everything. But this time he plays himself. This is maybe the best time I've seen him in these movies. Yes, because he's playing himself. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, we got Tuesday Night as herself. She was Kristen from Dream Child. John Saxon as himself. Of course, he's Lieutenant Thompson from the original Nightmare series. Oh, John Saxon. He's great. We have Gretchen Oler as the script super- supervisor. She is the actual script supervisor. Good. Uh, Tracy Middendorf as Julie. She plays Maggie Duvall in the Scream TV series. She's one of those actresses who shows up in so many different things. You know her face. We actually have three who could have been betters for this one. Oh, interesting. Angelina Jolie, Winona Ryder, and Drew Barrymore were all considered. Well, I don't know. Drew could have done this. Yes. Easy. Angelina, actually, all three of them could have done it, but I probably would have gone with Drew Barrymore. Winona was an actual movie star, but well, no, Little Women had not come out yet. This is 93, so she probably was trying to avoid playing like babysitter teenager ladies. Yeah, she headed to Reality Bites and Little Women right at, right around yeah. this time, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. And Angelina Jolie would have been fine. And, and this was this was just the beginning of Angelina's career, so Correct. yeah, yeah. But Drew Drew landed the true mm-hmm. Wes Craven role just right after. Uh, we have Bodie Elfman as the TV studio PA. He is married to Jenna Elfman. So frantic. He's the brother of Danny Elfman. Hmm. Uh, next, we have Sam Rubin as himself. He is an entertainment anchor for KTLA and Hollywood news guy. So annoying. Uh, then we have W. Earl Brown as the morgue attendant. I always forget this when I see this guy, but he's Dan Doherty from Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Warren from There's Something About Mary. Yeah. And Kenny the Cameraman from Scream. Yep. This man has range. He is an incredible character actor. Like second tier because he's not, you know, your your typical Oscar contender. But every time he shows up, he's good. Goddamn Dan Doherty. So good. Sue Garcia as Nick Corey. Um, they played Rod Lane in the original Nightmare. They were previously credited as Nick Corey. <laughs> oh, Rod, you died so terribly. Uh, Lynn Shea as the nurse with pills. She's the sister of Robert Shea. She'd previously been in uh, one of these films, and she was also in There's Something About Mary with W. Earl Brown. Hey. Jessica Craven as the junior nurse with Needle. This is Wes's daughter. <laughs> and Amanda Weiss, who plays Christina Gray in the archive, she was Tina from the original film. Yeah, we see her on the screen when they're when he's watching the movie. Right now, trivia. Trivia. In this film, Freddy's depicted much closer to what Wes Craven had originally intended for the character, more menacing, less comical, and updated attire and appearance. However, in 2015, before his death, he would admit that he regretted changing his appearance. He said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, which is why he kept ghost face masks the same in every screen movie. Good. And yes, <laughs> Freddy should not have changed. Uh, yeah. I mean, other than like we, we talked about, I think it was the third film where it was like, 
oh, they they updated his makeup a little bit more. They didn't right. have the rights to it. So like that made sense. Um, it wasn't drastically different. But they did the they did the whole demon thing. And I was like, at the time to do this was actually prior if you were going to do that. I think you you make him dark and menacing, but you keep the look. The bioengineered hand and glove that Freddie used in this film, as opposed to the glove in the previous film, is actually derived from artwork for the theatrical poster and video box covers for Nightmare on Elm Street. Cool. It was very cool. The television show appearance was inspired by a real encounter. According to Wes Craven, him and Robert did an appearance together on public television in San Francisco, and it was about whether this kind of movie was bad for children or not. And there were parents in the audience and then kids and all the kids leapt to their feet and started chanting, Freddy, Freddy, Freddy. And he remembered looking at the host and the parents and they all looked horrified. (laughs) Wes Craven had intended to ask Johnny Depp to make an appearance as himself in the funeral scene. Craven never worked up the courage to ask him, but after the film's release, they ran into each other and Craven asked Depp that if he, if he would have made an appearance, if he had asked him and, Depp said yes. Oh, Johnny Depp would have done this in a heartbeat. Are you kidding? Yeah, it would have been a, it been half a day. Uh, the film purposely has no opening titles to blur the illusion of whether it's a film, a documentary, or something else altogether. Yep. All of the earthquake sequences in the film were actually filmed one month prior to the Los Angeles quake of 94. The real quake struck only two weeks before the end of filming. And so the one of the film units was sent out to film drive-by footage of actual quake damage areas. Oh, mm-hmm. huh. okay. I thought it, it felt a little like, really? But then, no, 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 no. Okay. No, they had already planned it. And I, like, I vaguely remember those happening. Because we yeah. family in California. I, I mean, Los Angeles is on a fault line. Like, mm-hmm. it, it happens. There's a scene in the script that depicted a Robert England Freddy nightmare. The nightmare had Robert stuck in a spider-like web and Freddy was a giant spider. This was dropped because it didn't fit the film's overall tone, but according to England, it was due to budget issues. I could see both. Yeah. But I, again, I think that would have helped with like the subtle ways, like more about Robert dealing with like Freddy coming back. Doesn't have to be a lot, but there should have been more about the other people having these nightmares. Well, if you just focused on those three, Wes, Robert, and Heather. Yes. That would have been amazing. Uh, During the freeway scene, when Heather ducks for the tractor trailer to go over her, this was done with green screen. It took around 100 takes to get the shot right. And the next day, Heather Langkamp couldn't walk because she was so sore from doing the takes. Yep. That makes sense. sense. Wes tried to get a real reaction from Miko Hughes to actually cry. To do this, his mother would leave the set and his father would whisper in his ear, your mother's dead. And if he acted well for the take, his reward was a happy meal. (laughs) Michael Douglas insulting a bunny does not feel so bad now, does it? No, it's not as mean anymore. (laughs) (laughs) The clothes worn by Heather Langenkamp and John Saxon towards the end of the film are similar to the clothes they wore in Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That was very noticeable. It was like, oh, she's Nancy again. There we go. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, In A Nightmare on Elm Street, Nancy's mom drives a Volvo station wagon. In this film, Heather also drives a Volvo station wagon. Smart. Uh, This is the only film in the Nightmare franchise to feature orchestral music during the closing credits rather than an electronic score like all the other films. The same picture 
of the character Nancy appears in both A Nightmare on Elm Street and this film. In the original film, you can see the picture on Nancy's dad's desk at the police station. And here it's on Wes Craven's bookcase. Yep. It's very cool. I I noticed that and that was cute. Uh, When Robert tells Heather the fans would like to see them together again, she responds like, what? In In a romantic comedy? To which Robert responds, just because it's a love story doesn't mean it can't have a decapitation or two. England starred in Phantom of the Opera in 1989, which is a tragic love story and does have a decapitation or two. Funny. Very cute. Robert England has said this is his favorite movie of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, along with Freddy's makeup being his favorite look. Hold up. Yeah. He said four was his favorite. I believe that was his favorite death. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because originally we said four was his favorite and we both went, really? <laughs> He said that, but also it could have been like when he finished four, he said, where's okay, my favorite? It's the right. best one I've done. And then this, to do this, this one, it's like, no, this is it. No, this is the best one you've done, Robert. This is the best one he's done, for sure. But like, it's on par with the first one. I say that this is maybe the best movie he's been in. It is not necessarily his best. I, I, can, I can agree with that. And finally, in the ending credits, Freddy Krueger is credited as himself, even though Robert England reprised that role. Uh, 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 no way. No, again, that that furthers the meta narrative, which I, I get like. It. So it's cute. I, I, yeah. I'm fine with it. All right. We've come to the end of this series. Oh, wait. So this that was the actual final nightmare, not the final nightmare. Okay, look, we live in the world with internet. <laughs> We know there's a Freddy versus Jason. We know there's a new nightmare that came out, like a a new remake done in 2010. But we're not going to do those films because we haven't done the Jason films yet. Also, we're probably not doing the new Nightmare on Elm Streets because they're supposed to be really, really not good. Probably. But we're not going to do Jason yet because we haven't done the Jason films. That will be another series. Probably next year. We don't know. Ratings. Yes, so every film we have a special rating system. It's your turn officially because this is actually your movie. This is actually my movie, so I have to come up. Well, what's a rating system, though? Oh, that's true. The animatronic hands. Come on. All right, animatronic hands. My film. I'm going to go three and a half. Okay. Because they did something new and unexpected, and it was very enjoyable, and I feel like it paid off having watched all the other films. And I, I, I just generally liked it. It needs a better script. It needs better. It needs some tooling of the script and way better dialogue. But it was fun and I enjoyed it. And so it's a three and a half for me. It's three and a half. And the the comments that we have said, you had an opportunity to balance the story out better. Sure. That is the the thing that drags it down and why it makes it a, every once in a while a bit of a drag to watch because it's two hours of a lot of filler time that we could have actually done some interesting things with the story with. If mm-hmm. you'd have done that, this would be much higher. Yeah. Do you agree? It's a three and a half? Three and a half. All right. Well, I guess that means that we're ready for a new series. Freddy's officially dead. For us. For now. For, yeah, for now. He's never really dead. All right. But instead of dealing with Freddy, we are going to zag in a completely different direction, Diana. Oh, that's how we like to do these things. We, we've gone from slasher and silly and creepy to now... The boredom and realism and darkness of everyday life. Not boring. We're coming to documentaries. 
Yeah, it's been a couple of years since we've done a documentary series. We loved our last one, so we felt like it was time to do it again. There's been a bunch of mu- there's been a bunch of new films since then, so we wanted to to look a few up. But even interesting more, I have a slate of documentaries from every decade from the '60s to now. I love it. So we've got a we've got a full slate of some real classics, some real under the radar, and a lot of different styles of documentaries, which I think will be really interesting to kind of talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, until next time, have a good movie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.